Hello everyone, my name is Aleph and welcome to my podcast in studying for the MCCQE. This is the fourth episode. It went, we're going to talk about osteoarthritis versus rheumatic arthritis. Now, these two topics are very important and we have to be very careful about the definition of each pathology, okay? Now, for osteoarthritis, it is uh, the definition is a progressive deterioration of articular cartilage and surrounding joint structures caused by genetic metabolic, biochemical and biomechanical factors with secondary components of inflammation. Okay, that's what it states on the Toronto notes. And the classification is based on the etiology. There's mainly two types, the primary and secondary. The primary as, as most of the <laughs> of the uh, pathologies it's an idiopathic okay the most common is an unknown etiology okay now the secondary the most common is going to be the post-traumatic or mechanical etiology okay now for example it is mainly seen on people that are have they're above their 60 years old or maybe people that have obesity or morbid obesity so the upper weight is going to affect directly the articulations, mainly the hip, the knees, and the and the ankle. Okay, and it can also affect the, the the back. So we have to be aware of that. So if a patient with overweight, uh, with obesity, they will go to your office and they will say, "I have lots of pain on my knee. I have lots of pain on my ankle, or my hip, or my back." Okay, so we we're, we're going to suspect of osteoarthritis. Okay. It can also be seen in other pathologies, for example, uh, septic arthritis, a patient that had a history of septic arthritis is going to also be a factor to uh, developing osteoarthritis because of the, of the inflammation that they had uh, on, their, on their history, okay? What else? We can, use, we can also see it on endocrine disorders. For example, acromegaly and hyperparathyroidism uh, or hypothyroidism, we can see in those patients also. There's also some metab metabolic diseases or disorders like gout, cytogout, uh, hemochromatosis, and Wilson's disease. Uh, we can also see it on uh, diabetic patients with charcoal joints. And also uh, a vascular necrosis, we can, we can see it. Uh, now, the pathophysiology, well, is going to be because of biomechanical forces that is going to affect the, the cartilage between each bones. There's going to be a pro-inflammatory cytokines uh, activity that is going to progress the, the, the osteoarthritis. There's going to be lots of tissue catabolism and also repair because of that uh, damage uh, so there's going to be a lot of inflammatory activity okay uh, so I told you uh, contributing factors is the mecha uh, are uh, mechanical and uh, also the genetics if, uh, if you see that there's a lot of uh, osteoarthritis in the family history you have to suspect also in this in this part and also there's going to, it can be a joint injury, like a meniscal or ligament tears. And what else? 
that it, that's it now the epithelomology is going is going to be the most common arthropathy okay maybe more than 75 percent of all arthritis okay so if you're suspecting rheumatoid arthritis first suspect of osteoarthritis okay is going to be more common now is going to be more prevalent as the age increases okay for example uh people that have that are under 30s only the maybe the 35 percent of that uh, people are going to be affected in contrast for example a, a patient that has 80 years old is going to be an 85 percent chance that they are going to have osteoarthritis okay um now what else there's going to be some symptoms that the patient is going to go to your office. As I already told you, it's going to be some joint pain. There's going to be a, an elevation of that pain if the people are, are doing some type of exercise or walking or running. And they will tell you that after they arrive at their home, they're going to go to the couch or go to bed. And they, they're going to see that uh, when they rest, the, the pain is going to be decrease okay so that is very very important remember it okay there can be a short duration of morning stiffness but just less than half an hour okay um there's going to be maybe a loss of function of that articulation that is affected okay and maybe some fatigue poor sleep and impact on the mood of the patient okay what are the signs? The signs are very important. It's going to be joint line tenderness, okay? There's going to be a stress pain plus a joint effusion, okay? There's going to be bony enlargement at the affected joints. So it's going to be bumpy, okay? You're going to see some bumps or lumps on the joints. Uh, there's going to be a, a deformity of the articulation. There's going to be inflammation and muscle atrophy. Now, if you see the hands of the patient, because uh, what joints are going to be affected most? Firstly, is going to be the hand, then the hip, the knee, and the foot, and lastly, the lumbar spine and cervical spine, okay? So first, check on the patient's hands, okay? Uh, because we, uh, sometimes we don't have the time to check on the on the patient's hands, but the hands is going to tell you a lots of things, okay? So the, the hands are going to be three findings. Firstly, is the thumb squaring. Second, the Heberden nodes. And finally, the Beauchart nodes, okay? Very important. Uh, <clears throat> now, what investigations are we going to cover? Okay, we're going to order the blood work and we're going to check, check the CBC. We're going to have a normal CBC, maybe an elevation on the ESR and an elevation of the uh, C-reactive protein. And we're going to have a negative rheumatoid factor, okay? Negative rheumatoid factor and a negative ANA, okay? very important we're going to ask the patient to do some x-ray and we're going to see in, on the x-ray four hallmarks that are very important to take to cover the firstly is the joint space narrowing then the subchondral sclerosis we're going to be, see some subchondral cysts and finally some osteophytes okay the treatment well we had to prevent that to happen in order to prevent it 
then we have to prevent injuries we are going to ask the patient that they have to lose some weight and maintain the strength of the muscles now if we're going to do some non-pharmacological therapy also we're going to ask the patient to lose some weight remember that we're going to ask the patient from five to ten percent their body mass to lose in a month okay so if the patient uh, weights for example 100 kilograms we're going to ask to ask them to lose 5 to 10 kilograms a month and so and so we're going to ask them to go to physio uh, physiotherapy uh, what else <clears throat> the physio uh, physiotherapy is going to use some heat and cold and some exercise program to uh, increase the the strength of the muscles okay Occupational therapy, we can also prescribe some aids, for example, splints, canes, walkers, and bracings, okay? Uh, personal, personally, I do not like canes because uh, cane is like the most preferred type of aid that the patient will uh, prefer. But the bad thing about the cane is that it's going to be an asymmetrical uh, uh, walking pattern okay because of the cane so if, you, if the patient use cane there are going to be some joint pain involvement for example on the wrist that the patient is t uh, using the cane they're going to develop some pain in some uh, months later and that's going to be another problem also they're going to uh, refer some uh, shoulder problems and back problems also with scoliosis by using only the cane so I prefer uh, to use the, the walkers, okay? Not very uh, convenient for the patient, but mainly is the best way, okay? Now, pharmacological therapy, we're going to ask uh, some prescription of NSAIDs. We can use topical or oral. We're going to prefer, firstly, topical if the patient only has one joint involved, if the patient has more than one joint then we can use the oral we can use acetaminophen and NSAIDs okay we can use uh, um, ketoprofen uh, naproxen ibuprofen just remember not to use it a lot okay not all the time they have to use that type of medication okay now if there is any neuropathic pain, we can use antidepressants, uh, we can use anti-epileptics, and other type of medication, okay? So, if that doesn't work, we can use some joint injections, maybe some coricoid and hyaluronic acid. We can use it three to four times a, a year, and if that doesn't help, help we can go to the surgical treatment and that is the total or partial joint uh, replacement or joint debridation okay uh, joint debridement okay also this osteotomy and fusion okay now many patients ask if the glucosamine and chondroitin works because that's one of the most popular over-the-counter medicine well supplement and the answer is that there's not a lot of scientific background on that type of treatment. It, it, it's, it seems that it doesn't benefit in any way the, for the patient, but uh, all the patients take it, so uh, 
yeah, <laughs> what what could you tell them? They will still be taking that medication, okay? Uh, now, that's osteoarthritis. We're going to go to rheumatoid arthritis, and you're going to see the difference. Now, the definition is a chronic symmetric erosive synovitis of peripheral joints, okay? The main problem is going to be the synovial fluid, okay? And inflammation, okay, of the joint is going to be very, very important. It's going to affect more than one joint, usually. Um, and you can see that you cannot explain the cause of the inflammation of, of, of the joint. So you have to firstly rule out the, more, the most common uh, osteoarthritis and even septic arthritis, okay? So you have to rule it out. So you can take that as a differential. <clears throat> now for the, the classification the criteria for rheumatoid arthritis, there's four types. It's going to be the joint involvement, the serology, the acute phase, and the duration of the symptoms, okay? And what is the most common presentation? Now, here's the, the, most, the most important. The patient is going to tell you that they will have morning stiffness. And it actually going to affect the patient for more than one hour. And this is what is important. It's going to improve with the use of the articulation. In contrast with the other pathology, osteoarthritis, OA. In OA, as I already told you, that the physical activity is going to pronounce the pain. And in a, in a rest mode, it's going to alleviate. But in here, the patient is going to be more alleviated if they use the articulation and they do some exercise, okay? That's very important, okay? This is going to be a symmetric joint involvement. Initially, it's going to affect the small joints. And the first joints that is going to be affected are the hands, okay? The metacarpal follicle uh, is going to be affected first, okay? And the, pros uh, the proximal interfigials okay phalanges sorry uh, now after it is going to affect other type of articulation for example the wrist the elbow the shoulder the knee ankle uh, the c-spine okay so firstly we're going to see a pattern that is going to be firstly the the hand okay as well as the oa oa also affects the hand but the clinical presentation is going to be different but before it we're going to use the we're going to see the pathophysiology remember it's an autoimmune disorder with unknown etiology mainly there's a, a, a genetic predisposition of hla dr4 dr1 in 93 percent of the patients okay there's going to be a lot of cytokine promoters and t signaling so there's going to be a, a progressive bone destruction with the absence of bone repair and why is that? Because there's going to be an elevation of the tumor necrosis factor. And for that, it's going to increase the activity of osteoclasts. And not, not, not only that, it's going to decrease also the activity of the osteoblast. So there's going to be a lot of bone erosion with this pathology. Okay, and also it's going to have an upregulated up up rank ligand like, to increase the osteoclast medi mediated dis uh, destruction. Okay, so when you see this type of uh, pathophysiology, 
you are already thinking about the treatment, okay? Now, the epidemiology is going to affect more the females than males in a proportion of 3 to 1. And the age of onset is between 20 to 40 years old, okay? Now, uh, what else? Um, other types of symptoms. Okay, the signs that we're going to see are joint deformities of the hands, okay? When you see the fingers of the patients, there's going to be a lot of patterns of deformities. The two that you have to remember are the swam neck deformity, that's the main one, and secondly, the botanier deformity, okay? There's also three types, the claw toe, the hammer toe, and the mallet toe, okay? Uh, but firstly, we have to check on the swam neck deformity and the botanier deformity on the phalangeal area, okay, of the fingers. <clears throat> on the hand fingers okay uh, what else what else what else oh yeah A other type of symptoms we're going to see that some patient may have some extra articular features uh, it can affect the skin affect the eyes the head and neck the heart the, the, the lungs uh, it can affect the Oh, also, there's going to be peripheral neuropathy, not in everyone, but it can affect it also. There's some hematologic problems, for example, splenomaly and neutropenia. And uh, what else? Also, sometimes some renal problems, amyloidosis uh, mainly. Uh, we're going to use the classification of global functional status in rheumatoid arthritis from one class 1 to class 4 and uh, class 1 the the person is able to perform uh, daily activities and the class 4 they are limited and they need help to do their normal daily activities okay uh, what else investigation very important we have to check the rheumatoid factor is an 80% uh, that we see in the patients, but remember that the sensitivity is is, is not very specific. Okay, uh, we can check on the anti CCP. Very important. It is eighty percent sensitivity, but it's more specific in a ninety four to ninety eight percent. So, very important test that we have to order. We can also uh, see the uh, ESR. This, the C-reactive protein and the reactive factor, okay? So those are the four uh, blood work that we're going to order, okay? We can also use, also uh, ask for the patient to have some x-rays with a bilateral hand, wrist, ankle, feet x-ray. Um, we can use also the C-spine x-ray, okay? We can also use MRI, but th that is not going to be a choice that we're going to to use on the exam okay so don't go to the mri go firstly on the x-ray if you're uh, thinking of imaging just x-ray okay the treatment this is very important because the the treatment is way different from the oa okay the treatment is a little bit more aggressive we're going to use some disease modification uh, drugs or dmi are these and we're going to use mainly 
and this is the gold standard, remember, metrotexate, okay? Metrotexate is going to take, we're going to monitor every three months to six months, okay? What if the patient doesn't tolerate this medication? Then we can go to the second best one, that is hydrochloroquine. The hydrochloroquine is mainly right now, well, it was popular back then, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, that they, they, think, they thought that uh, hydroxychloroquine was a great medication for COVID patients, but as it seems, it doesn't work, okay? So don't use this type of medication for COVID patients. Now, there's also other type of treatment. For example, if the patient doesn't tolerate these type of medications, then it can be, they can be candidates to use biologics, okay? We can use, uh, remember, the pathophysiology, what was the problem, the, the activity the, uh, of the tumor necrosis factor. Then we have to use an anti-tumor necrosis factor, and that is infliximab mainly, okay? Infleximab, remember it. The second one that we're going to use a, is a non-anti-tumor necrosis factor agents, and that is a rituximab or tocilizumab, okay? Now, what about uh, oral uh, pharma, uh, pharmacological treatment, okay? We can use, um, we can use NSAIDs, remember, use Acetaminophen as the first line, please. Always, always, firstly, acetaminophen, okay? And why is that? Because it's not going to affect that much the, the gastric mucosa, okay? So if you go and ask the patient to take, for example, uh, ibuprofen or naproxen for more than three months, then they will tell you that the medication is going to affect directly to their stomach, okay? So try not to use it. So firstly, acetaminophen. Okay, now corticosteroids, we can use it in a local or systemic way. The local only if there's an, a specific articulation that is of great affection, uh, sorry, great uh, the, the destructive phase, for example. So we can use that joint and apply some corticoid directly to the articulation, but mainly we use the systemic, okay? The systemic, we're going to use prednisone, and it's a, a low dose of 5 to 10 milligrams per day, and usually it, we have to use it for a short term, okay? We can use it, for example, for one to three months, and we're going to reduce the dosage until we can withdraw completely the medication, okay? Ah, okay, what else? What else? Okay, if we have the patient with a severe rheumatic arthritis, then we can use, firstly, the, the MRI, and we can use a low dose of prednisone together, okay, as, as the first line of treatment, okay? If the patient has not that type of... Um, severe affection, then we can only use the DMRI and uh, we can use acetaminophen, okay? And avoid using the, the corticosteroids, okay? We can also use the surgical indication, but just 
for structural joint damage. Uh, also, it's similar to the OA. We can use, uh, mm, for example, well, this is different, sorry. It's going to be using a sinovectomy joint replacement surgery like the OA and joint fusion, okay? Now, the follow-up is very important. We can uh, check the patient each three to six months. And then if the patient is, uh, is, is going very well with the treatment, then we can check, and check them on every six to 12 months, okay? After the inflammation has been suppressed, okay? Now, um, what else? Well, if the patient is using, uh, for, for example, uh, prednisone, or for example, that they are using uh, the DMRSI, DMRDs, then we can use some uh, lab work, for example, a CBC, uh, and we can uh, check on the liver function test. And, and that's it, okay? Uh, just remember, because uh, the CBC is very important to see the leukocyte count for patients that have that are taking the prednisone for high doses, for example, we can we have to check that they are not immunosuppressive phase. So the uh, CBC are very, is very important. Uh, what else? Yeah, I think that's it. We managed to finish these two um, main problems. Okay, so I hope you had a great a great time uh, listening to me and. Each program that I do, I think that it's very, it's great for me, actually. It helps me with my pronunciation. Sorry if my pronunciation is not that great, but I'm trying to work on it. And this type of activities help, helps me a lot. So I hope that you are enjoying this, uh, these lectures and see you on the next episode. Take care. Bye.